inequality is something that is entrenched in so many areas of society and has a huge impact on people's daily lives. I'm Madia, your producer for the Sona Circle podcast, and each week a member of the team will speak to some of the biggest influencers, activists and MPs who are championing equality. They share their stories and insights, and we talk about how we can create a fairer society. Now, within our industries, what barriers do you guys feel like there are for kind of successful integration? You know what? I'll go first. (laughs) No, when I think of science and stuff, you know, there's that kind of thing of people who go into STEM. There's like a specific stereotype that you think of. They're very nerdy. They're very, they might be antisocial, etc. And it just seems like women specifically, they kind of lean more towards like biology, whereas men lean more towards physics, which... I think that needs to change but I think the barrier comes from two things one is that there's just not enough women in leadership roles full stop there just isn't and when we change that then I can I think we can see more you know younger girls going into STEM but also like there's this I don't this is going to get really intersectional but when it comes to people of color especially in the UK we tend to make up look kind of we have lower socioeconomic backgrounds and I'm not saying that's for every person of color of course not but that just is generally what it is especially for Bangladeshi people now I think what that leads to is you know like poor attainment in schools and stuff and if you have poor attainment in schools you can't get into a STEM degree so I think if we kind of sort that issue out then I also think regarding that obviously you grow up with immigrants right I'm the first generation and Bangladeshi, British Bangladeshi. So my parents don't know any English. Yeah. They don't know anything. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't have that kind of foundation. And my parents were like, so this is primary school, this is secondary school, this is college, this is university. This is what you should be doing. This is how you do it. I didn't have any of that. I was literally going with the flow. Yeah. And that's really like, obviously my kids, if I do have any, oh my God, they'll be lucky enough for me to guide them. I think a lot of children of immigrants don't have anyone to guide them. And normally the eldest child is the one guiding the rest. The of the yeah. And I am not the oldest child. I'm the second child because I'm a twin, but I was the oldest child for, for the family. So, oh my God, I'm a creative as well. So that was a big uh, thing for the family. But yeah, like I, children of immigrants don't have that guide. And that's why when they want to get into STEM subjects and that, they don't have anyone there to tell them, you need to study really good for this subject and you do this and that. And in education, in my secondary school, which is very well known in Tower Hamlets, I'm not going to say the name. I personally feel like they were very bad of that. Like mm-hmm. they didn't give enough support. They couldn't see when a child was struggling with their grades not because they're not capable but because of their background and there's nothing wrong with that but there needs to be support in that aspect exactly and a lot of schools have failed with that like i'm sorry i'm rambling but my younger sister actually goes to a film school and it's a really really good film school and she got there by herself with no support nothing but she told me that there is literally no support from for people like her that has no money to get film equipment and there's no guidance so yeah it just sucks yeah i'm the eldest in my family my god i am the guinea pig which yeah that's great but when it came to like applying to university and stuff obviously i had no idea what i was doing none whatsoever and my parents they didn't even like my dad didn't even finish primary school so you know he's not gonna know much now my mom she finished secondary school but she did that in Bangladesh. They both did it in Bangladesh, right? So 
what are they going to know about the UK system? And then it just makes it so difficult. Like, I get very emotional about this because this is something I spoke to again with my parents that when it comes to, you know, going through the schooling system, going through your degree, I've done that all myself. I've had like no help when it comes to applying, even studying or tutoring or anything like that. I've had no help. And that comes back to the fact that, you know, my parents are immigrants, but also we just come from a low socioeconomic background. So I couldn't have that if I wanted to. And then you add in the fact that there's not many women in STEM and it's just like, great. There's like no avenues for you whatsoever. I'm not going to lie, because obviously I did fashion, right? I There used to be like these talks where it's like it's very hard for women to get into the industry but no one really spoke about no one really spoke about how it's hard for a woman of color to get into the industry because i i god i everything i did i did myself like i'm not even in it yet but all the opportunities i did that myself i didn't have any support from anybody i did i tried to get that myself but it's so tough so imagine if you're like if you're a white woman trying to get into it yeah listeners imagine a woman of color (laughs) trying to get into that industry because it it's tough and even now like um nowadays when you fill up a form actually when you're applying for jobs they ask your parents background and i find that so rude like you don't need to know what my dad did what my mum did how does that help me get into the company right it's for the diversity and inclusion monitoring but then they're obviously but using that against yeah. you aren't they i feel like they are that's my conspiracy theory. well they're not supposed to i mean that yeah they're not supposed yeah. to but, yeah, no, that's another, like, when you go into these industries, especially creative, oh, my God, like, you need contacts to go into these industries and you yes. do not have those contacts. No, especially, like, even, you know, my my family came here from Ireland. They had to come because there was, you know, thanks for the British government. I'm not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they were working class. They came from working class backgrounds. Neither of my parents went to university my mum barely finished secondary school. Like, neither of my family, none of my family's in the fashion industry. None of my family's in the creative industries in general. Like, I am the first person and the only person still. And it's like, you know, as we were saying earlier, going to fashion and art schools when you're working class and your parents have nothing, it's horrible. You're the only person that's there that's like, I can't buy this, I can't buy that. They're, kids showing up in designer clothes like you do feel like really bad for a few days i think because i was actually like oh if i was able to wear this maybe i'd be able to do this yeah it's quite sad maybe i could fit in yeah like i do photography and you know i spend photography is expensive photography so and i do film as well yeah yeah so like spending i couldn't spend 800 pounds on a medium format camera like everyone else could i couldn't do you know what i mean i couldn't hire out these amazing studios you know there's an art queue when you see like those uh the rich people and they like are buying these big cameras but they can't even use it they can't even use the cameras have you seen the photo there's like a photography meme account oh no i haven't seen it where people were like using medium format cameras for the wrong in their like Instagram posts, but they're not. You're supposed to look down. Oh god! And they're like looking like <laughs> upwards, and you're like you're not using it properly. You're just buying it for aesthetic. Oh, that's so annoying! Like, give it to a working class kid that actually yeah. needs the camera. You know, when you spoke about the like how you have to do everything yourself, I think a lot of people don't realize when you're like a child of an immigrant. Um, that like you literally have to kind of raise yourself and um i actually 
I used to have really bad grades in primary school and oh my god guys try not to cry it's so sad but I had I didn't have struggle reading I I was filling in forms for my parents at the age of like nine so I was doing the like the oh my god like the like illegal stuff filling out forms for them because they didn't know how to do it I have no anger towards them I don't have anything but because I was doing such important things I didn't really have time to study for primary school for secondary school and my teachers instead thought that I was a lazy student because I didn't care when I did but I was also taking care of a family at the age of nine right so it's a lot of pressure already on a child and I had a teacher who absolutely despised me I don't know why but I really liked reading books. Like I've always wanted to read like really big books. And it's so funny because I'm a writer now, like I write now. But she used to embarrass me in front of my whole class and say, why are you reading that book? Go and read a picture book. And used to move me from one place to the other. She, she like moved me away from the rest of my peers and made me look dumb. And I remember when a girl next to me was cheating wow. on her maths test um, and I copied her, you know we have to survive so I was copying her <laughs> and uh the teacher found out but she didn't get her in trouble I got in trouble and I I just feel like there's this like when you're from a poorer like background and when you obviously have no time to even study instead of getting any help you don't really get any help you get looked down upon and kind of like and it's, it's just really sad because that really really changed the way I see people now and I hope you are living a great life this is to my teacher. Please don't treat anyone else like that because that is scarring. I have a story similar to that. I struggled really, really badly in secondary school. Like I couldn't revise. I just, I don't know why I thought I was stupid. Turns out got to college, realized I was dyslexic, like heavily dyslexic and had ADHD. But this teacher at the school that I was at, she always had something against me. I don't know if it was because I was from a city and this was some like cute little Steiner school in the middle of the countryside. And I was definitely the poorest person there. But I said that I was, um, I was like, I'm sure I'm dyslexic. She was like, no, you're just not concentrating. Oh God. Wow. That's so annoying. And it's like, oh, I know wow. you don't like me, but like I spent the entire time at secondary school thinking I was stupid, left with two GCSEs. And it's like, if I'd had the help. If you had the support earlier on, you could have gone so you're capable i was exactly it's not like i'm not smart like i have a degree but teachers man i had a teacher tell me like she asked me what my biggest fear was this was at college and i said to be a disappointment to my mom and dad obviously because they didn't have anything i'm one of the eldest that kind of has a spearhead their generational whatever really um and she looked me in the eyes and said you are a disappointment. No. She said that. Wait. She said that. That's awful. Yeah. That's such a horrible yeah. thing to say. Yeah. And that in that same school, you know, because obviously I'm very fashionable. You guys can't see me, but I'm very fashionable. She is. I know. She is very I'm aware of it. Thank you. I'm aware of that. But you know, when you start dressing better and you start looking better, people start having assumptions. Mm. And my teacher had an assumption like, I probably don't look like it, but I do get anxious. And I do have really, I did have really bad anxiety back then. And I told my teacher that I didn't want to present. I was like, I have anxiety. And someone, somebody else already asked him if they could present to him afterwards. And he said, yeah, sure. But when I said it, he looked at me up and down and said, you definitely don't have anxiety. Don't have anxiety. <sighs> oh my God. These are teachers in England, guys. 
teachers in England. Yeah. I had a teacher tell me that SAD didn't exist. Oh my God. When I was on 70 milligrams of antidepressants. Oh my God. And could barely go to school in the winter because I was so depressed. Are you okay? And I was sitting there like, mm? why am I on medication then, babe? <laughs> See, I don't understand this. I'm like, why was there such a... Uh, like, teachers just don't want to believe students. No. When it comes no. to... This, why? I don't get it. It's just... Like, surely it's also better for the teacher if you understand, okay, my student is, you know, they're going through this and that and I can support them. Surely it's better I for them I think they well. need to question why they're teaching in the first place and why are they teaching exactly. people of that age. If you want to guide these children, you need to do a better job, literally. I yeah. did always notice that the kids that had the fav- like favouritism of the teachers were very specific children, though. Yeah. What's the teacher? Especially in the school that I went. I mean, I was on a bursary and my parents worked extremely hard to send me to the school that they did um but it was always the kids that like parents paid like the full fees and were in the pta meetings because they didn't have anything else to do with their time oh my god not thinking of anyone specific (laughs) (laughs) but but, like my parents you know my parents both worked and they both worked really really hard they didn't have time to do pta meetings they had four kids and they're from working class backgrounds like they couldn't sit there and be like oh oh yeah Bake cake time. Like. Do you know, actually, I saw a TikTok video about something like this where a lot of children weren't invited to parties because their parents never associated with their... With those yeah. parents, yeah. And I think that's hella sad. My mum always had that. I remember being in primary school and, like, none of the like, people would talk to my mum because she just... One, she just didn't really care about the drama because she had enough shit going on in her life. But, like, also oh, she was a lot... so y- much drama with the other mums, weren't there? Yeah, she was so, so much, much younger. Drama. My mum had me when she was 21. She was probably judged as well, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Shout out to my mom. My mom looks considerably older than her age. No offense, mommy. I love <laughs> you. And um, there was this uh, student that asked me if that was my grandmother. And I cried. <laughs> I burst into tears. Aww. I was like, how could you say that? No one believed that my mom was my mom. Oh my God. They were like, that's it your sister. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. She's young. I was going to say something, but I compl- it's completely out of my head now. Oh, no. It was to do with school. School. Could not pay me to go back to that. I, I would want to go back to that with this attitude so I can kick. Oh, my God. I'm not trying to say go, like, violence is the key. <laughs> <laughs> violence is not the key. Also, stop bullying people. Yeah. Because yeah. I was bullied in school and now... Oh, my God. I was bullied, too. Oh, my God. Bully gang gang. Oh. Honestly, same. It's really sad. Oh, my God. There we go. But traumatic events like this actually does help your, I think, because it helped me see things very differently. Because I'm not saying thank you for bullying me, but thank you. No, wait. No, no, thank you. Thank you to me. I think it gives you a thick skin. Yeah, definitely. It did make me cynical, though. Yeah. Like, I'm now a huge cynic, which... I wish I wasn't, but it's just, you know, obviously when you grow up like that and you're bullied and this and that. Like, see, I never had, like, an experience in school as bad as you guys when it came to bullying and stuff. Because I... Oh, not bullying, sorry, with teachers. Because I... The school that I went to was very, very Bangladeshi heavy. And I was, like, one of those people who were, like, top of the class kind of thing. But then I went to that college, that sixth form, where it was a really, like, you know, the whole one that's, like, posh but not trying to be posh linked with other schools that one i had a horrible horrible experience in like that one i was like i almost failed my a-levels it was that bad but i didn't realize at the time that i was going through 
so many mental health issues and so many issues when it came to my confidence because I always you know you, when you're an immigrant kid I feel like you have one identity that you set for yourself and you kind of follow that identity and I think for me it was like okay I'm the smart kid so when I go through school I'm that's like my only identity that I'm the smart one I feel like you know child and immigrant your parents raise you like kind of kind of like oh you know when um like you know when older men like younger girls they're kind of uh they're, they're making you that way grooming grooming forming you grooming i feel like as bad as no offense to immigrants but i feel like sometimes there are parents that kind of groom the kids to be a certain way yeah and i think that's what happened to you when it comes to the smart aspect of it they groomed you to be smart so you went ahead with that kind of mindset yeah no i don't think it was that it was purely from myself like my family they knew the important like they ingrained in me the importance of school and i'm i agree with them with that school is very important but it was a lot of self-pressure that I put on myself that, you know, I'm the eldest um, child. I'm the eldest in my entire family. So it's like the pressure's on my oh, wow. shoulder. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I have to be the one who's successful. And the way you be successful is, you know, you go to school and you do well. But then that identity kind of crashed in when I was doing my A-levels. And the teachers were just so awful to me. Like, it wasn't, you know, outwardly saying, you know, you're stupid or anything like that. But it was like, they wouldn't apply. let me apply to the universities that I wanted to apply to because they were like, you're not going to get the grades. They didn't let me apply to the courses that I wanted to apply to. They tried to kick me out of chemistry A-level. Oh my they tried God. to kick me out of chemistry A-level, right? And I was like, you watch, like, I'm going to do something about this. I still did very bad in my A-level. But then I got my degree in biochemistry. So it's like... Sir, can we have a clap, please? (laughs) (laughs) And I think what I'm trying to say is that throughout all this, I've just had that lack of support. And I think that support could have changed the way all of us viewed school. And actually, that's gone on to a pet peeve now of mine. I just need to take like say this because it's actually really annoying me. I don't know if you guys have this in your industries. But when it comes to medical school, I'm not anywhere near medical school. I don't want to do that. But there's people who are kind of medical students who are selling these courses to like underprivileged kids to help them get into medical school. And they're like 300, 400, 500 pounds. And that really, really annoys me because you got into medical school, right? Like you did that by yourself. Well done for that. But surely you know the struggles of being someone who's from a working class family who's an immigrant trying to get into medicine surely you should be then giving that information for what i would say for free because you should carry it on right you should pass it on but no they're charging these 16 17 year old kids 500 pounds to just read over their personal statement that's very common in the bangladeshi community i've seen Mm -hmm. my sisters oh my god my sisters were all creative, so we didn't have to go through. This is why where my family is different from other typical Bengali families. Is my mom and dad were completely accepting, and not at first, but they're very accepting of what we do. Um, but like I have seen, like my cousins who are in STEM, like doing STEM stuff, they're paying so much money to like actually study, and these people aren't rich. But it's so sad that like you, they have to do that because they need that money to mm-hmm. to survive. But they're having to pay so much for these lessons, which are important. But they should, there should definitely be like a discount or something, depending on where you fall, yeah. when it comes to the financial aspect of it. I just don't think you should charge for knowledge in general. Yeah, like share it. Like my my stepmom is, she's an immigrant. She's from Trinidad, and you know she's a boss. I was gonna swear then, but I'm not. <laughs> she's a boss, and um, you know she 
even as a kid, I remember she'd work really, really hard through the day and then sit with me and help me do my like science study, which I failed massively, but because <laughs> it's not my field. But you know, she would always give information for free, and she's always you know trying to lift. She's inequality for the NHS. Mm. She's a woman of color, so you know, very important for her to be there. But you know, I think I always really admired how she would really share all the information that she had you know she would always share textbooks and go out of her way to help people and i think that's where it should be you shouldn't gatekeep information maybe i'm the optimistic one of this trio but i think in the future in the the next few years that knowledge will be more accessible for Mm -hmm. the young generation because not just because of us because i know that our generation is very like knowledgeable about that knowledge like they know that we have to share things like this and i don't know i was listening to a podcast actually one of our podcasts i think it was with shaya Mm -hmm. uh episode two he was talking with kweku yeah they spoke about how they believe in generation z and how they take in information and kind of like continue on with things and kind of spread good awareness and stuff and not i'm not just saying this because i am generation z like i'm within that but i do see like people of my age doing really good things with knowledge that they get so um yeah i think that goes back to the question that i asked uh, <laughs> before we went on this rampage but you know what can be done to improve equality in our fields and i think it really boils down to two things first increase kind of diversity inclusion at the higher levels so more women more people of color more lgbtq plus etc and the second thing is i feel like we have a lot of solutions when it comes to stem and medical school and that type of stuff we have a lot of solutions there are people who are selling these courses but don't gatekeep that knowledge i think that's what we're boiling this down to if you have the knowledge if you have the ability to help someone go go on and do it it's kind of like they're creating their own little society yeah amongst a society and another capitalist one mm. it's kind of like a oh we're getting political, getting political here lads but yeah i should probably stop because i want to get too aggressive about this honestly i could do a whole podcast episode about the selling courses situation i'm oh my god okay now obviously i'm sure we're all aware we're still in a pandemic have you guys noticed a change in conversation about equality diversity throughout the pandemic i mean since beginning of last year i feel like there's been a lot of lot of conversations obviously black lives matter has that i mean it's always been an underlying thing and it's always been important but i feel like last year it really grabbed the necessary attention that it needed and you know there was some of the it was the biggest biggest one of the biggest social movements social movements in history which is incredible and it should be I also think that the conversation of women's safety mm-hmm. has been a big topic, especially recently. I think I realised, like, I come to the knowledge that POC women, when they go to, like, the doctors, they don't get as much, like, attention. <sighs> I could talk about this again. Oh I know, because I don't know if I got it from your... I don't know if I got this information from one of your podcasts... Or what you posted on the growth medium? I think I think it was like a story or something I posted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because I did. I was not aware of that, and then it came to it called hit the Mrs. Begum syndrome. Oh my god, I could yeah. get into yeah. this. Oh yeah, it was you. It was yeah. Madia. Um, I wasn't aware of that, but I I wasn't aware that this was a typical like a common issue in women as well. And when I I don't know if I don't know if I 
watched your podcast if i read it in your thing but you guys were speaking about how we have to like take control of it and be like um excuse me can you like tell me like you have to go and sit with your doctor and be kind of aggressive advocate for yourself yeah and i actually i did do that and i had to do that at the age of like 17 imagine so i sat with a lady and i said go through each one of my tests tell me what they say and explain to me what they mean because obviously i don't know what they Mm -hmm. mean so she sat down went through everything and that's when she realized oh there's an issue yeah then i said to her why did i have to sit with you and have this conversation why why was i not told and she said oh, i probably got confused up with everything else la, la, la. and i was like yeah but no it's not good enough yeah i could be in serious like uh something bad could happen to me anytime and then i watched uh your thing in my bob and it's a common thing and south asian women south asian women primarily have been seen as dramatic when they go to the doctors when they say oh i am going through pain all that and i've noticed that because my mum, she's diabetic and whenever i go to her appointments with her i see the way they kind of talk to her but then they change when i talk mm-hmm. because obviously i can speak english and mm-hmm. i can talk back to them they know that i'm not going to sit back right but when my mum, my mom told me if she goes by herself she's not listened to yeah and this is a common thing and it's really sad yeah i mean i don't have the same experience as you guys because i'm white but i've had a chronic illness for the last 10 years and the amount of times i've come out of the doctor's office crying because they've said that i have an eating disorder when i don't oh my god eating they're so bad they're of like, eating disorders they're like I'm I'm heavily anemic. Like I ha- I'm allergic. My body's allergic to iron, but I'll get skinny in the winter, and I'll be like, "Have you been eating enough?" Oh my god! And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I eat loads. Thank you. I love food." And they'll wait till I'm like having to take myself to A and E because I'm so sick. And A and E don't do anything, nothing at all. And when it comes to like when we talk about how we haven't been listening to the doctors, I think the first line of defense for a lot of people is that, well, you know, GPs are really stressed and overworked and they are. But the problem here isn't the fact that, you know, they're overstressed and that's why they're missing the work. It's that they're not listening to us. Yeah, Yeah. that's the, like, that's the thing. They're not listening. They're not doing their job. Yeah, they're just not listening to what we have to say. And I, so I strongly believe in patient advocacy, of course, like you have to advocate for yourself, but I'm in a position where, my thought process is why does someone have to advocate for themselves in order to get the diagnosis or whatever they need yeah Yeah. and i think honestly that probably also comes down to how when we talk about science and health in the last two years obviously it's changed (laughs) if nothing changed from the pandemic and the way we communicate information then that would have been really bad all right i think so we were going to talk about you know our own podcast like what we thought about the episodes but we don't have the time so i think we're just going to end it with do you guys have any books podcasts movies or anything you recommend to our listeners to learn more about equality i mean over the last year i've literally chucked why i'm no longer talking to white people about race at every single person i know so if you haven't read that yet you should i really recommend the health gap so that's a book that talks about the different factors that can impact how someone's treated in medicine so their socioeconomic situations their job their kids except like the different things that can come together and impact someone's health so yeah that's my recommendation the health gap i i recommend the growth medium because they have a lot of information there about stop it (laughs) (laughs) no because i generally don't listen to any podcasts so the growth medium is a great place to start. Can I also just add another book? Yeah. I've just started reading My Body by Emily Ratajkowski. 
because I read her, one of her essays last year and it was just divine. And I started reading it. And if you want to learn more about how models feel in the industry or how women are treated in the industry, check that book out because she spills some real tea in there. That's all I'm going to say. If you're looking for any magazines and anything to read about, there's this place, there's this thing called Juice. I do their graphics, but I was always looking for a community of South Asians where I can just talk about my own experiences because I have never had that before. And if there are any South Asians that feel lonely or feel like they have no one to speak to, Juice Droplet on Instagram have a lot of information that you can uh, use and utilize and make new friends in the progress. So that's what I'll, I'll, I'll add. Also, can we shout out the place that we're recording in? Because they're actually... Yes. So the Common Press is in Shoreditch. If you live in London, check it out. It is really good for intersectional books in everything and LGBTQ+. Plus. Check it and out. And they have a recording they studio. They have recording studios. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to the Sonner Circle podcast. I'll link all the little bits and bobs that we've mentioned. This is going to be a lot for me to edit it's an hour and a half but uh yeah merry christmas merry, merry christmas, christmas everyone and we'll see you in the new year bye. bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of the sonna circle podcast loved it make sure to follow and leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. And if you want to know more about Sonna Circle, go and follow us on our socials. The links are in the show notes.